Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 87 of Season 4 of Movie Our Minute, the daily podcast where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan rom-com, Aaron and Sally, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Alan Sanders of The Wilder Ride. Welcome back to the show, Alan. Hey, buddy. Good to be back. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you back. I'm glad that you're able to, to, to once again fill in on uh you know to, to fill up fill up these weeks this week's episodes but you know i don't see you as a villain because it's just so much fun talking to you and you know talking about when harry met with you or any movie for that matter well i've as we've mentioned before i've thoroughly enjoyed being part of every single one of your seasons and hope that this uh, run can continue yeah that all depends on your scheduling <laughs> <laughs> i i get it no i trust me you are a very patient fellow I try to be. I try. I, I do my best, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. So, you know, this this time it worked. So we're we're good. We're good. <laughs> All right. So, minute eighty seven begins with a guy laughing hysterically at his own joke, and ends with Harry and Sally laughing uh, at MoMA. So, basically, yesterday we we ended things. We 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 were going through uh, yesterday's minute was basically Harry and Sally in different places, uh, commiserating the fact that they're pretty much alone on New Year's Eve. Neither one of them wants to be there alone. They all want, they both want to be there with somebody else. They have yet to realize that the other person, that, that to completely understand that the other person they want to be with is either Harry or Sally. But, well, you know, we, we have like seven minutes left to the movie, so we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> you know, it's, we're, we're, we're getting close to it. Where where they will it, yeah. realize this this fact, you know, for for better or for worse, they they will notice it at some point. Um, so we ended things yesterday with with Sally having to deal with this guy who's telling the punchline of a joke. Okay, mm-hmm. and we we talked a little bit about that yesterday about the the punchline, which really makes no sense or whatever. Do you know that there's actually a term for punchlines like this? No. Well, maybe I've heard it, but I don't know off the top of my head what. Okay, it's it's or, basically You mean a joke that fails or No, a joke in a movie where we just hear part of it and we don't hear the rest oh. of it. Okay, yeah, I I have no, I have no idea what this is called. Okay, it's called an orphaned punchline. Oh, well, I mean it makes that, sense. Probably, it, had, it makes had sense. Had you said that? Had you said, "What do you think orphaned punchline means in terms of a movie?" I'd be like, "Uh, they just kind of give you half a joke." Right, but but if I would have asked you that in, in minute twenty seven, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have made the connection. You Probably know, not. But because in terms of that that phrase, once you say it, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Correct. So this this film, I I actually found a site that has a whole list of of uh, orphan punchlines from from movies and and uh, TV shows and whatever. So. I mean, some of the, some of the great ones. Yeah, do, do you know of any others besides when Harry met Sally that you can think of? Well, not off the top of my head, but if we play along this game that I think you've invented, a brand new, uh, you know, traveling across country uh, road game, uh, maybe I can, maybe something will pop in my head. Okay. All right. So first of all, in uh, 2010, the movie 2010, there there is one. Okay. Well, while uh, um, Floyd is on a spacewalk. So he talks right. about a joke about a marathon runner and a chicken. I remember that John Lithgow's character because he's he's hyperventilating or something, and they're trying to distract him. Yes, is yes. that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is it. And they they never tell us what the actual punchline is on the joke. 
Oh, oh, I've got one from my favorite John Hughes film. No. From Breakfast Club. That was the final one I was going to bring. I was waiting to to build up to that one. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I'm glad you picked that up. That's, I, uh, you know, as you, you call this a game, but the truth is, you know, it's it's a game that's, that's much more fun to play uh, together as opposed to alone. So it, it makes sense. <laughs> You know, I'm glad that you're able to to jump jump and jump in and give stuff. So yes, yeah. the Breakfast Club. So why don't you tell us which one it is in the Breakfast Club? Well, that's the one where uh, he's walking across the ceiling trying to break out of the broom closet, and he's telling the story about a naked blonde walks into a bar with a salami under one arm and a puppy under the other arm, but we never get the end of the joke. Correct. Right. Apparently, there really is no end to the joke. It was just ad libbed by Judd Nelson. You know, so <laughs> that. It, that to me is still one of my. I, it's my favorite John Hughes film. Period. If you, if anybody ever does the Breakfast Club minute, I'm gonna be their instantaneous co-host. We won't need a guest because we won't be able to get anybody to get a word in edgewise. It's <laughs> a movie I showed my kids, and although they said initially because it looks like a made-for-TV movie, it's made it was with a lower budget, but the movie's not about you know car chases and splashy. It's about the dialogue and the dynamics. And once the story started to unfold. My girls, of course, obviously a completely different generation, they said, you know, we don't use those same terms, but we still have those same archetypes in school. Right. They could recognize everything still to this day in high school. Oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> um, so there's another one in The Sting. I've never seen The Sting. I need to probably <laughs> check that out sometime. Really? Okay. That's a Robert Redford, Paul Newman uh, uh, film. It's that one mm -hmm. best picture in 1973. Um, so at some point, one of the comedians that they starts doing a routine, um, but we never get to hear the, you know, the joke itself. The, the, the <laughs> we hear the punchline, but we don't hear the joke. You know, that's the thing. Um, have you ever seen the movie Punchline with uh, Tom Hanks and Sally Field? Yes, a long, a long time ago. Yeah. So apparently, one of the the characters in the movie, his entire uh, shtick, you know, to to do his act is he just has uh, punchlines of old jokes without the actual <laughs> jokes themselves. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, he just does the punchline. Yes, correct. Um, the movie "Something Like It Hot" with Jack Lemmon and uh, Tony Curtis. Marilyn Monroe. That she's there too. Yes. Um, so we we hear the the very end of what's an apparently a dirty joke about a girl tuba player who was stranded on a desert island with a one legged jockey. <laughs> okay. And we just hear so the one legged jockey says, "Don't worry about me, sweetheart. I ride side saddle." So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. Um, what else? Tra Trading Places has one. Oh, okay. yeah, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. That's right. Okay, they they, they sing a tune, and uh, then we hear one of the characters finishing her anecdote, and she says, and she stepped on the ball. And we never get to hear what the actual uh, punchline was. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the film The Usual Suspects also has one. Um, these trying are to remember. I know the, I know the movie. It's it's a fantastic movie. Um, yes. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. So you have to tell me the the intro to it. So Hoffman, you played by Kevin Pollack, is telling a story, and we hear him say, "So I open the car door, and this chick is totally naked," and we never hear the rest of it. 
uh, and then later on, apparently, one of the guards on the boat uh, actually tells the rest of that joke in Hungarian. But since I don't understand Hungarian and they don't have subtitles at that point, we, we don't really get to hear what the whole thing is. Oh, okay. All right. Um, another example is the movie Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> what a great movie. Where he's telling a joke and we hear him say, and she said, let's do it. The room's already paid for. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, the final one that I want to bring up was Monty Python and Holy Grail. And the joke is, and that, my liege, is how we know the earth to be banana-shaped. And <laughs> <laughs> was great as I've seen, except for The Sting, all of these movies. You know, it's funny, um, and I don't know if I... There were more on the list. I didn't go through everything on the list. Yeah. Right, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure it's, it's, it's multiple places. But what's funny about this... And I don't know if I got it from the Muppet movie, the very first Muppet movie, but there's a similar kind of thing, but it's where everybody stops talking at the exact same moment, but you're about to say something embarrassing. <laughs> and I do that all the time on purpose. If you remember, it's towards the end, they're all like arguing, 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 and all of a sudden it stops and you hear like the hippie chick goes, and if I want to dance around my apartment naked, and then stops because everyone's looking at her. Right. I say that all the time. Like all of a sudden it's really like that awkward quiet. And I go, and that's when I found out the rabbit died. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Which is similar, but not the same thing as this year. Right. It's funny that you mentioned the Muppets, because the Muppets Take Manhattan is actually on this list also. Okay, <laughs> where, where Fozzie is trying to bring Kermit out of amnesia by giving him examples of his humor. So then Fozzie says, so the grizzly bear, he walks out of the room while the panda bear is just sitting there. And he thinks to himself, this is odd. And then what do you know? The phone rings. You know who it is? It's the polar bear. And the polar bear, he says to the panda bear, I don't know. I, I didn't know it was a koala bear. Get it? Koala, waka waka. So again, koala. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> waka waka waka. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, I just I just found it really interesting that that you know, there's actually a term for this. It's not something you would think that they would normally have a term for, but it's great that they do. And it. and we can see how bored Sally is based on this. I mean, it's like she fake laughs at him, and then she's she's yeah, standing. But she does a great job fake laughing. We don't know that she's fake laughing until this turn, which is beautifully staged. Yes, but that turn, you know, she's she's leaning up against a pillar. You'd think that he would notice the way she's reacting after, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fact that she's whispering over her head to her best friend. That's right. And but then she's... The actor, though, does a fantastic thing for just a split second that makes your mind accept it. Yes. He starts to grab his tie and look the other way. We don't Correct. see the full turn, but we at least get the hint that he's not paying attention to this for just a moment. Right. That's true. I mean, he, he actually even gets credit for this. You know, it's, it's a guy named Peter Day. It's in the, in the credits, this is joke teller at wedding, even though they're not at a wedding, but whatever. That's a separate issue. <laughs> but he, he only has two quote, uh, two, two IMDb uh, credits. He has this movie and he has, uh, he played a character on 12 episodes of All My Children in 1991. You know, mm -hmm. beyond that, I wasn't able to find anything about it. Um, so he probably is like a friend of, of Rob Reiner's or something like that, that he decided to bring in, you know, on the commentary, they don't mention that. So I don't really know, but you know, it, it sort of would make sense for them 
for it to be that way. So Sally leans against the pillar and then turns uh, towards, uh, we see Marie is also leaning against the pillar on the other side. And she says to her, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the response. You'll never get a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the quick facial shift of Meg Ryan, though, I mean, if you had any doubt, we both just assumed she was being polite for the sake of being polite. But while the laugh felt genuine, we know for a fact, if there's any shadow of a doubt, because she looks miserable. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks like the last place I want to be right now is here. Right. But on the other hand, she does go back. Um, you know, she flips back towards the guy and once again has this this smiling, laughing look on her face. Uh-huh. So, oh, you know, she the, she has that slight little guy. break and that was it. Mm-hmm. No, she's right back into pretending that she's, you know, enjoying her time with this guy. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I guess, and the thing that I find really funny is, is that yesterday we were talking about when she was, when she was being, when she was dancing and she was being dipped by someone, it's someone completely different. It's not this guy, you know? So, you know, she's just, everyone, everyone's talking to to Sally, you know, every every guy who's there on their own (laughs) are chatting up Sally, you know, hoping, Mm. hoping to get that midnight kiss. Well, she's obviously not there with anyone yet. So she's the single girl. That's right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm assuming there are others also. It's like, how in a, in a situation like this do you think the guy would know that, that she's a single gal? Because she's not next to a guy? You know? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't either. I, here's the thing. I've never been so on the prowl that I'm watching or scoping a bar or a dance club or anything, and I go, wait a minute. That woman was just dancing with this one guy, but now she's off by herself. The other guy went to somebody else. She must be here by herself. Now's my chance to swoop in. I've never been that observant. No, no, me neither. Because usually I don't go to parties like this looking, you know, I don't go to these huge parties, you know, or I didn't. Obviously, now I definitely don't go to these type of parties looking for looking for a single woman. But, you know, back when I was single, I didn't go to parties like this looking for trying to, you know, do detective work to figure out who's single. You know, hmm, right. is this person single? Is that person single? Oh, she's dancing with this guy. And now she's with her friends and she's not with him. So maybe, I don't know. It's, right. Uh, and I'm sure there are people who are listening right now that that was their thing. They figured out how to hit the club, you know, and they go, we're going to go to the club, find some single women, and we're just going to watch to see who's dancing with multiple partners versus the same one all night, and we'll see what we can do. I just have never been that person. No, neither have I. I've never been that observant. My wife gets mad at me all the time. She goes, do you pay attention to anything? So, well, yeah, with what's right in front of me, but I'm not going to go through the extra effort of starting to play, you know, uh, FBI agent when I go to a club. Or, or if when we're, you know, uh, watching a movie minute by minute, then you do pay, then we do pay attention. Oh, I pay you know? close attention to something. <laughs> Maybe it's because I care about this and I don't care about the people in the room. Yeah, I have, I have, I have a similar <laughs> issue. My, my wife says to me, you can, you can sit and talk for over an hour about one minute, but you can't, you know, pay attention to, to, you know, a what's up that you get. And I'm like, well, <laughs> what's, well, what's more important? <laughs> it, it, it it, what do they say? Like um, priorities in in <laughs> acting, in acting they say energy. People mistake energy for being just loud or crazy, and they say no. Energy comes from how much you care about what it is you're saying or doing. That you'll be you'll be focused if you care. And so when I care about something, I tend to have a lot of energy. I'm a lot of focus. I tend to give it my all. When I don't care, you don't get much of my energy or attention or focus. Right. 
that's true. There, there is something to that. I, I agree with you on that. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I find it funny that Maurice says you'll never get a cab because the truth is you think that moments to midnight, there's going to be tons of cabs that are available because most people are not going to be traveling at that point. Most people in, in relationships are not going to be traveling at that point. You know, they're going to be somewhere. They're going to be either at home or they're going to be uh, at a party or on, you know, they're not going to be on their way somewhere uh, moments before midnight. Well, I, I took it to mean something different because of the New York or the, any kind of a big city culture where you wouldn't have a car. A night like New Year's Eve, everyone's going to have to be, need a cab to come back home from whatever party they're at, which means they're going to be really hard to come by because everyone needs one at the same time. Yes, but that, that's true. But she's saying I'm going home. She doesn't want to wait for that midnight for the clock to strike midnight. Once the clock right. strikes to midnight, you're right. There won't be any cabs available. But I'm saying before well, I that, know, I don't know what time of night it is. Like, how late are we getting? We don't really know, do we? We know. We know it's close to midnight. It's not midnight yet. It's getting close. Not midnight yet, but it is getting close. Yes, it's getting close. That is. I mean, there's not many people on the streets. <laughs> well, we'll we'll find that out maybe later this minute a little bit, or maybe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll have a little bit of that, but uh, you know, yeah. Well, I, I'm just talking about from yesterday to today. Billy Crystal, I mean, our our main guy here, Harry, he eventually sees another couple that reminds him of what he and you know Sally yeah that was, that was like yesterday together. right yeah but mm-hmm. that was just one couple he walked up the street crossed the street stared in windows didn't pass another human being correct but most of those people uh we were talking you know most most people are not going to be standing out in the middle of of you know in the middle of manhattan at this hour they're either going to be at a party or they're going to be home or they're going to be at a restaurant or wherever it is that they're right. going to be going out, you know, or, or at Times Square, but they're, they're not going to be standing, uh, window shopping, you know, like, no, like, right. like Harry is doing. But that, that to me re- references that it must be getting very, very late for nobody, not even anybody really to be walking in a crowded metropolitan city like New York. Right. Okay. That, that is definitely fair. That is very fair. Can I ask you a question on this? I no, you did the no, background. you can't, you can't, okay. you can't. <laughs> <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> wow. No, definitely like my talking to my wife. <laughs> Ooh, can I have some, no, ouch. 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 That, that hurts. That hurts. I mean, I, I like the, Susan, but that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the scene we're going to here, where we're going to cut to Harry. And I meant to ask this yesterday because if it's New Year's Eve and we're in a big metropolitan city like New York, where's the snow? Um, well, in New York, you usually don't see much snow um, because there's so much traffic going on and there's there's usually very little uh, ground, <laughs> you know, on the streets. You, it, it makes me wonder, though, if you knew where did they, I mean, did they really film this in New York? And if they did, it couldn't have been during the winter time. Parts of, parts of it were filmed, yeah, in, in New York. Yes, that, that we know. Okay. Um, and part of it, was filmed in the wintertime. Yes. So when, you know, I know for a fact that the, the scene where Sally is telling Marie and Alice that she just broke up with Joe, apparently they say that was a free, in between each take, they basically, you know, the, the, the women put on like these heavy jackets, you know, because it's supposed to be taking place in a time that's not cold. So, mm. yeah. Okay. So it just struck me weird seeing this isolated view and 
not seeing, you know, steam or, you know, you're not being able to see perspir or, um, respiration, you know, when you kind of, when you breathe out when it's cold and you can right. see the, uh, the cloud, you don't really see any of that here with Billy Crystal. Right. Okay. Well, again, you know, we have, we have him now walking through the streets again and he's eating the ice cream. Now I'm sure you remember that yesterday we were talking about, you know, that in the script, he actually goes into the ice cream parlor to buy ice cream, but you know, they cut that part out of the, the movie itself. You know, we just see him walking with, with an ice cream cone. So my assumption is, is the fact that he is eating ice cream means that it's probably not that cold. Even so, though it is I, December. Fair assumption. You know, even though it is December in New York, that's true. But December 31st. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But uh, who knows? You know, but, but you get those nice uh, Christmas tree lights behind him as he's walking yeah, through. Yeah, so, a nice touch. You know, nice yeah. touch to remind you. We're still decorated for the holidays. That is correct. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to ask you actually a little bit. What, what do you know about ice cream? <laughs> I know it was invented, I believe, in France. And I believe Thomas Jefferson, our third president, was so taken in with it that he worked on perfecting the recipe, I think, for vanilla ice cream. Okay, we, we, we will get there, but uh, I, uh, okay, so first of all... Uh, <laughs> well, don't ask me questions if you don't want me to answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it goes back further. That's what I'm saying. It goes back further. You, you were talking about the, the origins of ice cream in America. I was talking about the origins of ice cream in general. Oh, yeah, I guess. I kind of looked at, well, you know, I am American. It's all about us, so... And so am I, but but I still, you know, when I when I'm doing about these things, I look, you know, yes. So we'll, we'll get to we'll get to Thomas Jefferson and George Washington shortly. Okay, but first, okay. Um, so ice cream is usually it's it's a frozen dessert that's usually made from milk or cream and flavored with some type of sweet sweetener, either sugar or an alternative, uh, sometimes with a spice, uh, as cocoa, vanilla, or sometimes with fruit, you know, with strawberries, peaches, things like that. Um, it can be served in dishes, which people will eat it with a spoon. It can be, uh, licked from, from an edible, uh, wafer cone. Uh, sometimes it can be served with other desserts. You know, sometimes you'll put it like on apple pie or as an ingredient in, uh, ice cream float sundaes, milkshakes, ice cream cakes, and other baked items such as, uh, baked Alaska. Okay. The origins of having frozen desserts goes all the way back to 550 BC. Wow. Yeah. That's so, old. That's right. In Persia, they they uh, they had what were known as ice houses and ice pools that they would uh, serve uh, food known as faluda or different types of sorbets all around the year that they were all around the year that they were able to keep frozen in those uh, ice houses and stuff like that. There is actually a uh, structure in Iran called uh, Yakhal or something like that, which is a cone-shaped stru structure that's believed to be the inspiration for the actual design of ice cream. Hmm. And because they used to store ice cream around 400 BC uh, inside of it because the, the, the building or the structure was made with heat-resistant material that helped uh, keep, th keep it preserved and they could have you know uh, different types of ice and things like that, keeping it... Uh, Nice and fresh and cold. There's there's a Roman cookbook from the first century that has uh, recipes for sweet desserts that are sprinkled with snow. 
<laughs> and there are okay. Persian Persian records from the second century for sweetened drinks that are chilled with ice. Okay, so the first recorded mention of ice cream in England was in 1671, uh, where this guy named uh, Elias Ashmole uh, described the dishes served at the Feast of St. George at Windsor for Charles II in 1671 and included one plate of ice cream. So they, they had some form of ice cream back then. Okay, now we will get to what you were referring to with George Washington and, uh, and, and our good friend Thomas Jefferson. So... First of all, the, the Quaker colonists were the ones who introduced ice cream to the U.S., bringing ice cream recipes with them. And they, they sold ice cream at shops in New York and other cities during the colonial era. And then Ben Franklin, George Washington, and Thomas Jefferson were known to have regularly eaten and served ice cream. Okay, that uh, apparently George Washington at one point, there's a record of him spending approximately $200 on ice cream in the summer of 1790. And that... Uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson had an 18-step recipe for ice cream. So maybe that's what we were talking about, the fact that he was trying to perfect it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Dolly Madison actually served ice cream at uh, her husband James Madison's uh, inaugural bowl in 1813. So, yeah, it goes back uh, quite quite a long way. Okay, the, the, but the history of, of ice cream in the 20th century is one of the one of great change and increases in availability and popularity. So in the U.S. in the early 20th, 20th century, ice cream sodas became very popular that they served them at uh, soda shops, um, at soda fountains and ice cream parlors. And during Prohibition, the soda fountain uh, actually replaced the alcohol establishments such as bars and saloons. So more people were were you know consuming ice cream at the time so yeah it's really cool that uh, you know this this goes back so far all right mm -hmm. now a lot further than i ever thought that's right and uh the fda currently has rules that of how ice cream can be described and it's a product that must have greater than 10 percent milk fat and six to ten percent milk or non non-fat milk solids and this component also known as milk solids not fat or serum solids, contains proteins and uh, carbohydrates that are found in milk. So, you know, that, that's how the FDA will, will, FDA will uh, claim that, uh, you know, that this is considered ice cream or not. So at this point, you know, we have uh, Harry walking through uh, uh, New York. Again, we're not really sure where he is. But he gets very fed up with his uh, ice cream. We, we see some party goers behind him. And as he's getting sick of his ice cream, he just walks past the garbage can and throws it out. Now, do you think he gets sick of it or do you think it's just too cold? <laughs> Going back to what That's we said before. Question. Because I didn't see any kind of respiration. I didn't. And indeed, he's acting like he's cold, putting his hands in his pocket. But he's got a zipper halfway down. He's not zipped up. He's certainly not wearing anything on his head. Correct. My guess is he's just tired of eating it like maybe he just got it out of something to get and then i don't even feel like eating i don't feel like it just right. nothing you know what it's a great symbolically it's a great indication of something that most people love from kids to adults most people will say i do enjoy ice cream even if it's from time to time yeah. and he's pitching it means even something that most people love is not causing him any enjoyment right that's right and then he ends up in washington uh, square park again and looks up and sees you know the 
the proof that 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 he was here before, <laughs> you know, uh, twelve years earlier when when he first met uh, when he was saying goodbye to Sally the first time, you know, mm-hmm. and and what I thought was really cool is I didn't I didn't pay attention to this uh, when when we saw the scene the first time you know, because here we're going back to a flashback. So on the license plate of Sally's car, so it says the one of the slogans of Illinois, which is where they came from. Okay, so. Uh, do you know what uh, there are three slogans of Illinois? One of them is list, is written here if you're if you're looking at the the car with the license plate, and then there's there's two others. Well, the one that I know is Land of Lincoln. That's right, Lincoln, and that's Abraham the one. Lincoln. And that's the one that's uh, that, that's written there. Um, the others are it's known as the Prairie State and the Inland Empire State, hmm. which which okay. I think they really should stick with uh, Land of Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> and the uh, the motto of of Illinois is state sovereignty or national union, which are a little you know strange from that. Did you know that there are three presidents that were that that were elected from uh, from Illinois? Can you name all three? Uh, no. <laughs> Can you name any of them? Well. Link- Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, was, I mean, I would like to think that I can remember that one. Um, wait a minute. Wasn't? Oh wait, Barack Obama. Okay, there you go. That's two. Because he he grew up in the Chicago area, so Chicago, Illinois. Um, you probably won't guess the third one. I'm sorry to say. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Even though Ronald Reagan was from California, didn't he grow up in the Midwest? What okay, first of all, you you are correct about that. Ronald Reagan was born and raised in Illinois, but but he actually was elected from California. So I wasn't even including him as one of the three. Okay, so yeah, because I'm talking about someone who was who was elected from you know like how how Hillary was elected from New York, even though she spent most of her life in Arkansas. You know, it doesn't make a difference. I'm saying right, you know, right. where okay, they were so elected, I mean, elected from. from the state of not necessarily where they were born. Correct. Dude, I have no idea. You want to give me a hint? We can play, you know, 20 questions or um, uh, post-Civil War era, era. Grant? Yes, very good. Ulysses Grant. Nice guess. Well, I'm thinking the first general elected after the Civil War, Ulysses S. Grant. There you go. And you, you would be correct. You are correct, sir. <laughs> right. So, so I knew for a fact, too. And I needed a hint for the third. That's not too bad. Yeah, that's very good. Very, very impressed, Alan. Very impressed. <laughs> so, the, you know, the, all that will buy me nothing. It only gets me invited on shows like this. Hey, why not? Isn't isn't that good too? <laughs> it works. Yeah, you know. That that's that's what we're trying to do, isn't it's it? It's the yeah. gift that keeps on giving. That's right. <laughs> and well, I find it really funny that they show us flashbacks, but the dialogue is not from that same flashback. You know, we, we see the two of them saying goodbye, but then they have the whole uh, conversation. We hear the voiceover with Harry saying, you realize, of course, that we can never be friends. And then Sally says, mm-hmm. why not? What what I'm saying is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. That's not true. No man can be friends with a woman he finds attractive. And, you know, the the it changes the, the scenery also. We now get we, we see them also uh, walking through Central Park. At the same time, mm. you know, as he's mm-hmm. still talking, he said, no man can be friends with a woman he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. What if they don't have sex with you? And that's how it ends here. But once again, it switches and shows us 
the two of them in Momo where Sally is just laughing her head off. You know, which is so I, I, I find it really interesting that they they you know, in the script we talked about it a little bit about it yesterday, we had the full dialogue from all these places that he was thinking. But here we have him just focusing on his main diatribe about why men and women can't be friends, but his his mind is going through all these crazy places because it's showing, you know, the two of them in various situations where, you know, it's reminding him of how much of a great time he's had with Sally over the last, uh, you know, every over the time that he's met her or that he keeps bumping into her and stuff like that. So I, I think that's great. Um, and that's actually all I have for this minute. Do you have anything else for this minute before we quickly get into the script? Well, the question that, you know, since this is my first time getting a chance to address the quote monologue about men and women being friends, I don't know what you've discussed about this before, but what, what do you think? Can you be friends with a woman and just be friends? Be best friends like, like they are here? No. That's wild. I have found that most of the friends, when I look at the people that I either hang out with or I'll text or talk to, I tend to have far more female friends than I have male. But do you consider them close friends? That's what I'm saying. Is it some? Is it a confidant, or is it just someone that you're, you know? Oh well, if you're going to go to the level of like a confidant, well, that, that's what already, that's what we have here. But if you're already in an existing relationship, that's going to change. If I've had plenty of people that yeah, I had great conversations with, but it never went anywhere else. But then when I got married, then you know that's considered, you know, you kind of have to pull back because you don't want to share things with another woman that you should be sharing with your wife. Correct. But outside of That's that. That's a big no-no. <laughs> yeah. Outside of that, I mean, I still have. And I think, it, I guess it just depends on your personality. Because I think my wife would argue that growing up, and especially until a later adulthood, she probably had more guy friends than, than female. Okay. But that's maybe I'm I'm talking out of my experience. I also get the logic behind this. And I totally understand it. Because I do know a lot of times that if you think you are friends and you think, well, you know, what's the phrase of the, 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 the hip millennials friends with benefits, you can just, you know, have sex, but you don't have to have a relationship. Right. Never seems to really work unless you have two people that are just very narcissistic and they really truly don't care about anybody else. Correct. Because I think once you cross that threshold, just it's humanity. You just, you start to feel a connection that wasn't the same as it was prior. Right. I, I, I agree with you on that, you know. So, I don't know. <laughs> okay, I just was curious what you guys had thought about beforehand because I've always been, when I've heard this line, when I've heard it quoted or people talk about it, I've always said, well, I've had a lot of great female friends that I have had no interest in doing anything. And not all of them, it wasn't because they were homely or something. It wasn't because they were unattractive. It was just, maybe because it wasn't, I never thought of them as anything beyond friends. You know, right. there wasn't that extra knowledge. And then all of a sudden, because, you know, the story with me and Susan that I already told, when we decided, uh-oh, now we're taking it beyond friend. And so for me, I guess that's the line. We're going beyond friend. Right. It, we worried, could we ruin our friendship if it turns out that going beyond friendship could lead to arguing, fighting? Not that You realize all of a sudden now that this level, we're no longer compatible. Do you want to risk a friendship? So, Correct. I was just curious how you had talked about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. All right, so the, the script actually, there, there isn't that much that's connected to, to this particular minute. Um, you know, we have the, the same lines of, there's, there's no uh, orphan joke. 
right? And then we have Sally uh, saying to Maria, I'm going home. And then she says, you'll never get a taxi. And then it says, Sally turns back to the man who told the joke, the smile we plastered on her face. But we, we never hear the joke or anything like that. You know, but again, it, I'm glad that they, they mentioned the fact that she's supposed to fake uh, having having that uh, smile and laughing at his joke at the same time. And then it says Harry's walking along and then uh, and he's holding an ice cream cone. And then we hear the voiceover and Harry says, this was a good move. It's 10 degrees out and the windshield factor in my mouth is a million below and I'm eating ice cream. A wise choice. And then it says he dumps <laughs> the ice cream in the trash can, stops, and looks at the arch. And then it talks about the fact that, the, that he's back at the Washington Square uh, arch. And then they have the voiceover of the dialogue from that time. You know, not what not what we were talking about here, where where they actually change it to you know the just that main uh, conversation about whether men and women can be friends or not. So right. that that's pretty much the. Uh, the, the what we have here from the the script. So as I promised yesterday, every uh, you know these three days that, that we're together, I'm gonna do my my little segment with uh, off the beaten track, dealing with dating and courting uh, stories, where I where I will actually give another story of something that happened to me. So I I remember that I was actually on on a first date. This was uh, uh, ooh. When was this? I, I, I assume she's not listening to this and it doesn't really make a difference. So I can sort of say her name because because I think her name is is very interesting. You know, her name was was um, Michelle Pfeffer as opposed to Pfeiffer. And I thought that that was like great. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm going out with someone who's, you know, maybe her name is very similar to, you know, a famous actress. But, you know, it wasn't. I, I actually found her more attractive than Michelle Pfeiffer. So that, that already says something about it. Um, this, this was back in 1998. Okay. Uh, I can even tell you the date because I looked at my list. <laughs> it happened. On, <laughs> it happened on April 5th, 1998. Um, and so, you know, I have always been a gentleman when, when I've gone out on uh, dates and, you know, I went to, to, she was living with her parents at the time. So I went, you know, to the apartment, rang the bell, waited for her to, you know, come out. And then we walked back out to my car. And the first thing we notice is that I have a flat tire. Somehow, oh. you know, I must have gone over a, uh, uh, a a nail or something like that. And most of this date was the two of us uh, dealing with changing a flat tire, which, <laughs> which, which I must say was a great way to get to know somebody because the two of us were talking as – you know, I was going and changing, changing the tire. I, I think I even ripped my shoe when I was, uh, you know, turning, when I was trying to, to get the, the bolts off, you know, cause I was like standing on the, you probably know what it's called. The thing you used to unscrew the, 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 the bolts on, on a, the lug, the lug, uh, no, the, the thing that you used on uh, a crowbar. Yeah. The, the lug wrench. The lug, lug wrench. Okay. It's like on the end of a crowbar type of thing. Right. So, so I remember I was like standing on it and, and like <laughs> I slipped off it and it ripped my shoe, but you know, I just continued with the whole thing. <laughs> it was, it was, and, and the reason that happened is because I think that, that, that I was trying to turn it the wrong way at the time, but oh. I, you know, it, it happens. <laughs> it was, it was a lot of oh. fun. And uh, just for people yelling, it's also called a tire iron, but I learned in up North, it was a lug wrench is what we called it, but right. it's also known as a tire iron. Okay. 
There you go. And I didn't use it to beat anyone or anything like that. I used it just, <laughs> just to change the tire. Um, so yeah, movie it was Rob, movie Rob in the garage with the tire iron. <clears throat> there you go. No, it wasn't in the garage. It was, it was in the street. <laughs> in the street. <laughs> there you oh go. my gosh. Well, you, you learn a lot about the date that you want. Uh, and the, and you learn a lot about yourself trying to stay composed when you're having something like this go completely haywire yeah. on a first date. Yeah. But again, as I said, it worked out really, it, it went really well. I mean, we, we finally got the tire uh, changed. Then we went out for ice cream and it was a shorter, uh, you know, the, you know, we didn't go out for dinner or anything like that because of the fact that, that we had spent so much time changing that flat tire. I mean, the truth is we actually went out for about a month. And the reason that we ended up breaking up was because she uh, decided she was leaving the country because she was very interested in, in learning new languages and stuff like that. And so she wanted to go travel and stuff like that. So, you know, things didn't work out. Hmm. But uh, it, I just thought it was but a it great was fun while it lasted. Yeah, of course it was. It was, it was a very nice, uh, very, very nice uh, month of dating. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, Alan, you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Oh, absolutely. You can find the show, The Wilder Ride, where we focused on movies of Gene Wilder for two seasons. We did uh, Young Frankenstein season one. We did Blazing Saddle season two, breaking it down one minute at a time. Just look for The Wilder Ride. Seasons one and two were movies by minute. Seasons three and four were more of a talk show. But I think all the guests we interviewed are pretty evergreen and are well worth checking out. So find thewilderride.com, The Wilder Ride on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just do a Google search for The Wilder Ride. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Up Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, moveupminute.com. So, Alan, you feel like coming back again tomorrow to finish up, not the week, but to finish up your your time on this week. Absolutely. Let's make it a date. We'll make this same time tomorrow. Let's make it happen. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Works for me. All right. Well, in t until tomorrow, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. Gave me a thrill with all your faults. I love you still. It had to be you. Wonderful you. Had to be you.